Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowski. Uh, we have a lot to cover tonight and that's putting Do it we? lightly. A- anything? Anything happen? I don't know. Uh, one, one or two things. Yes. Um. Oh my goodness. We've got an insane recruiting weekend for football. Um, official visits led to, what, seven or eight commitments? So we got that to cover. We've got uh, the Final Four in lacrosse, uh, you know, the national semifinals coming up. Cats you know, beat up on Syracuse to get there. We got softball. Uh, Cats rolling through the Evanston Regional um, with a couple wins early. And... You know, to, just to lead off the bat, what what we what you heard just a second ago, uh, John Rothstein came through with his uh, happy hour when the basketball team did not make the tournament like he said they would before the season. Um, you know, if you recall, he tweeted out before the season, if Northwestern doesn't make the tournament, I will buy uh, Northwestern fans a happy hour. And he, he came through, which, you know, good for him because, you know, it would have been real easy not to. But uh, but he did, and that that's really awesome. And and John, you made you were you made it. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and I had a chance to go down there and got to meet with him, talk with him for a little while. Um, obviously, I, you know, for those of you who are wondering, I would say like the book on John Rothstein as as it came across uh, that that evening is he is a very busy guy who really wanted to make right on this. And it was that was clear, like he was very clear, like this is important to me. I really wanted to do this. I love that I can do this. You heard in the toast, I think like he's someone who is extremely online, like he is as online as possible. I mean, it's obviously essential to his job and everything, but um, it was really clear that he really treasured the the chance and the opportunity to just be one on one with some folks and it was generous of him and again like we all know and you know there's been all this twitter back and forth with him and everything but he was clearly on a really tight schedule for those who don't know his flight was delayed you know coming into chicago and he had some things lined up um before this that he kind of had to skip and then he had a lot of things going on you know subsequent to that like going into the weekend and everything so um but talking to him he could not have been more magnanimous obviously this was incredibly generous of him so it was great and and again i got there fairly early so i had a chance to talk with him you know a little bit and of course there was that kind of good-natured ribbing back and forth about the events that led us to that point but he was he was very generous um so that's the first part of it the second part of it um 
But you know, how, how how's he feeling about the 2023? Cast? <laughs> yeah, well, that that didn't come up, and I don't know that I don't know that any of us want to sour this pod by going down that road. But uh, fair. But but um, the other thing I would say, you know, after giving a, a shout out to John Rothstein for for again just generous and 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 being the this being the genesis of an an awesome event. Shout out to the Northwestern community particularly the young alums who showed out. I guess I kind of admit I, I wasn't really sure what the crowd would be or what the you know the demographics of the crowd would be relative to Northwestern. It was a young crowd and it was packed. Um, and it was a diverse crowd. I mean, I had a long conversation with a couple of Northwestern football players. There were inside NU people there. There were WNUR sports people there. Um, it was, I mean... It was a mix of genders. It was just a. It was a great um, environment, and it really packed up to the point that um, shouts to the tavern on Rush waitresses who were, you know, working through this massive throng of people trying to make sure that everyone was satisfied in the really the one hour that John Rothstein had available in his schedule to buy everyone drinks. So, um, yeah. And then I think even after that happened, there was this long extended period after that um, where everyone was just kind of hanging around and talking. And all of these people in the Northwestern community, some of whom knew each other, but a lot of whom didn't or kind of in our case, people who, you know, we know people online. It's an opportunity just like our tailgate is right to finally meet people. And it was just it was just awesome. It was a great event. It was so much fun. Um, And it was, again, um, Regardless of the events that led us to that point, I think everyone who was there had a blast. That, that's so awesome. And, like, that kind of was the, the start to a, a weekend of Northwestern athletics. It's just been incredible. <laughs> I, ironically, uh, the order doesn't even quite work like that. Yeah. Because I'm driving into the city to go to Tavern on Rush, and I get a text from Scuzz, and Scuzz is just like... <laughs> I Scuzz is basically like, I don't even want to say anything about what just happened in this first. He's like, he it was like talking in the middle of a no hitter. Scuzz is like, I, I, I'm not even sure I want to say anything about this. And I'm like, and I'm like, about what? <laughs> That's exactly what it was because I've got the lacrosse game on, and and honestly, I I had missed the start of it. I hadn't I hadn't quite um, nailed the start time, but I checked in, and the Cats are up nine two on Syracuse in the first half. And I immediately wanted to like shout this from the rooftops and then thought, shit, I can't do that because of what happened in the second <laughs> half last year against Syracuse in the semis where they, they just really dusted Northwestern and ran away with it. And, you know, th- th- this would have been a situation where it still would have been close down the stretch, but I just, I just didn't want to jinx it. And so not, not knowing you were in your car and had no idea what the score, what the score was, <laughs> it felt like a safe thing to tweet and then when, or to text. And then when you said, I have no idea what's going on, I was like, oh, it's nine, two. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I mean, I don't think we all know Northwestern's lacrosse team is stacked. This is news to no one. Obviously, they're on this massive run right now. They're trying to take it all the way. Um, with that said, I don't think anyone, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, no, this is a team that, yeah, that has had moments of absolute sheer excellence, but I think we'd, um, including when they beat Syracuse in a really tight game earlier this year, but, but they beat them by one goal and come out. Yeah. In OT and to come out in, in a 
nationally televised. Uh, I guess it wasn't the semifinal yet, right? Uh, quarterfinal? Elite Eight, basically. Elite Eight. All right. For, for, um, for this tournament and to absolutely mop the floor with them. I mean, 17-3 was the final, right? Uh, this was... This was an ass kicking and Northwestern looked so good. Um, a ton of the credit goes to uh, Madison Doucette, who had um, 11 saves ele- in yeah, 15 just gonna, shots. Yeah, yeah just like, bonkers. Insane. I mean, you don't you don't see 733 save percentage on lacrosse goalies. You just don't. It, you yeah. Know, out of her mind, she was playing. Well, and then on top of it, you have the, the depth scoring for Northwestern. I think I think. They had seven, you know, in the first, in that those nine goals uh, were scored by seven different players, and uh, they just they 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 prepared really well for a tough Syracuse team and executed phenomenally. And you know they're going to need that again because the top four seeds in this tournament have advanced to the final four next weekend in Maryland, um, and it's going to be uh, no no picnic. The Cats get get North Carolina, so see we'll see how we go. Right. I think, but uh, you know, it's as as great as the moments have been for this team this season, right? I think we'd be forgiven for saying that entering the tournament, Northwestern kind of hit a little bit of a rough patch, right? I mean, the Maryland is Maryland. I mean, that's an awesome team, but that Rutgers result in the tourney kind of came out of nowhere and left a little bit of a sour taste entering the tournament. And then it's like they, you know, mopped the floor with Central Michigan in the first week. And the first game played that really tough, hard-fought match against Michigan, and then just dusted Syracuse. And it's like, it's exactly what you want. They're all of a sudden they're playing their best lacrosse of the season, entering the Final Four. I mean, what more could you ask? And like you said, I mean, Doucette on down, it was an incredible defensive effort too which has been kind of that little piece maybe that's been lacking for this team a little bit at times. So, right. I mean, now the rubber meets the road, but I mean, just to, to roll into the final four in style like that, like what more can you say? I, I, I do have to, I do have to correct the score. 17, three is not the final score of this game. It was 15 to four. I don't know. I don't know where I got 17, three out of my, out of my brain, but oh, um, the, you, you got it from uh, softball. I was, I was about <laughs> oh, to that's say, what, yeah. that's why. <laughs> And, and we'll get to that in just a sec. I do just want to mention, you know, we did play North Carolina earlier this season uh, in North Carolina, lost 20 to nine in that game. North Carolina, I mean, there's, they're the number one seed for a reason. They're really, really good. And their defense, is, if I remember correctly, is insane. Yeah, they, they beat uh, Stony Brook, who was, who's often underseeded. Like Stony Brook was the eight seed and, and could have easily been number six. Um but uh, but they beat them eight to five, which is just not the, a score that you see very often in lacrosse. Right, they're uh, they're just a defensive power. But yeah, so I mean, it's and it's coming up quick, right? Because it's going to be this coming Friday, yeah, um, at two. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge one to mark your calendars. I mean, but I think we all agree that team that played that game against Syracuse can beat this North Carolina team. There's no doubt about that. So they're. They're, they're going where they need to go, and they're riding high. At the end of the day, it's going to be all about draw controls and possession. I mean, you can't you score when you have the ball. And the best way to get the ball is on the draw control. So, you know, if the Cats can you know win the draw control battle, I think they've got a, a really decent chance of, you know, making it, if not winning the game outright, keeping it super close. 
Yeah, and I I mean, totally agree. I think the one funny thing we had is there's Lauren Gilbert was doing one of what for her have been many uh, televised post-game interviews, and a couple of players ran behind her to give kind of like the salute, <laughs> the general salute. Yeah, it was great. Um, which we got a pretty good gif of. But in addition to the humor of it, I do like, you know, the idea of like General Gilbert leading the troops across the country, leading the troops east uh, into the final four. And it's uh, it's just cool. I mean, it's an awesome place that this team is. So, yeah. So let's see. Let's see those draw controls. Uh, let's see the scoring. Let's see the defense. Um, and let's go get them. Let's go take down number one. Uh, turning our attention to the diamond, um, softball, taking care of business <laughs> early in the, uh, in the regionals, uh, Northwestern hosting the regional, um, on Friday afternoon, uh, dusted Oakland nine to two. And then uh, today over recording this on Saturday, uh, earlier th- this afternoon, 17 to three over McNeese and you know, that <laughs> Danielle Williams on the mound, she had a rough third inning. Uh, gave up the three runs there. Uh, that cut the lead from 6-0 to 6-3. And then the fourth inning happened. And the Cats put up nine runs in the fourth inning uh, to take a 15-3 lead. And the rest is history. I mean, it's been absolute domination. Um, and, and yeah, there were a couple of those moments. The, the one inning where... You know, I they got to Williams a little bit. It was a strange inning. Um, there was this crazy bloop that Maeve couldn't quite get to, and there were three. So Jordan Rudd came within a whisker of picking off the runner at third base twice. So close. And and the second one they reviewed it forever. Um, and then she came within a whisker of gunning another runner down at second base. And it's like I think we can all agree that um, you know. You're lucky when you get past the Jordan Rudd hose once in an inning, let alone three times. Like, that's unprecedented. It was just a goofy inning. And then one of the other things I've enjoyed of these first two games of the regional is what happens when you make Jordan Rudd mad. Um, <laughs> in the in the first game, they – what was it? I She gunned a runner down at first, and after a review, they took it away from her. And then she immediately roped a hit. Uh, right after that and in this one after those those three close calls she put a dent in welsh ryan it was uh, a no doubt just bomb um but yeah it's again these are the two teams um little inside baseball right we're recording this late saturday night there's a softball game that hasn't started yet oh it's uh, oh it started it's in the top of the second it's all okay zeros. so so, the, so they're in the top of the second now um, and well, now I got to look, what is our update as of right now? It's zero, it's, zero, it's still. zero, zero, zero. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame does have a runner on first, but yeah, Notre Dame and McNeese are playing right now, both playing their second game of today. Um, Notre Dame playing like coming off of, they, they literally just finished beating Oakland, uh, what an hour and a half ago. If that, um, yeah. Playing this, this, this second game now, McNeese obviously playing a second game. The winner, uh, will face Northwestern in, and it has to beat Northwestern twice tomorrow, right? Yeah. So um, this is this is where we're at. Uh, the Cats played and lost to Notre Dame in a in a in a close um, rainy game, if I remember. Yeah, it was uh, real bad weather back in March um, or or April. So uh, you know, 
opportunity for revenge if they play Notre Dame tomorrow. But uh, either way, you you got to feel good about the Cats' chances. Um, well, and you just and you just love you love how this team is playing right now. Oh my God, the bats coming alive! Right, I th- right, exactly. I think it's weird to be watching this game right now, where the irony is Notre Dame's kind of sort of well. I guess they'd be in this game regardless, but they're sort of surprised to be where they started off because McNeese absolutely throttled them in on Friday, 11-1, to 1, and it went five innings. And Notre Dame, of course, is ranked and are definitely the second seed in this regional. And <clears throat> I think we were all talking where it's like, you know, sort of rooting for McNeese because there is no way McNeese is beating Northwestern twice tomorrow, which is what they had to do, which is what they would have to do. Northwestern beat them, what, 17-3. So, whereas Notre Dame, you know, all bets are off. With that said, rewinding to the the game Scuzz was talking about during the year, I believe we had what at the time looked like it was going to be a very tough Ohio State series in Columbus – on deck, we didn't know that we were going to go into Columbus and just absolutely burn that field down. Um, but at the time, that was what was on deck, and Notre Dame was a midweek game. So, yeah, it was like a, yeah, like a, a single tu- game a Tuesday, on a Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday game. Uh, Cats lost three to two, so you know, right. real real tight game. And like right. I said, real bad weather. Came off the uh, you know the the threesome against Michigan, um, and then yeah, had the Ohio State series on deck. So. You know, right. Mid, if, so mid, it's like we, if Notre Dame if Notre Dame gets by McNeese, there's no looking ahead. They have all of Northwestern's focus, and and uh, and if and if they beat the Cats once, they have to beat the Cats again. That's the the position Northwestern's put themselves in. Uh, speaking of this, though, well, I guess I guess by the time people listen to this podcast, it's probably gonna be too late. But still, if you didn't go buy a ticket to go to the to the J tomorrow to watch Northwest this Northwestern softball softball team. Uh, in this, uh, what will be a regional final, like that—that's a bummer. It's a great opportunity. Um, the weather's going to be decent. It's supposed like, to be nice tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, a little cloudy, but um, no rain. High fifties, like that's per- perfect. And, and that's the other piece too, is right. Is it's kind of a flip because things are all crazy backed up right now because the first game was delayed so much because of the rain, and that's where you're glad that whereas like Notre Dame's pitching their pitchers at. 9:37 p.m. Central right now at the start of a game. Um, Danielle Williams pitched four innings today, and then you know took a rest. Um, and Lauren Dvorak brought it home, and that and you know so she's gonna be ready to rock and roll tomorrow, which is a nice advantage to have. And again, it's still zero zero. We don't know. McNeese may take this from Notre Dame. They did it once. So we've been doing this podcast for. Over 10 years now, right? Correct. And we're about to do something that we have not, we have never done before. And we're really excited to, to do. And it's, we have our very first sponsorship. Um, you know, that that's not something that we've ever really gone out uh, to look for. Uh, but, you know, this is something that, that came about very organically. And we're really, really excited to, uh, to talk about our, our new sponsor. I was going to say, I mean, to your point, it's something we've, We've always been open to it, especially I would say in the, the back half of the pod as our listenership has really jumped up. Um, and you I mean in all honesty, we've had a couple of opportunities, right, where we could have jumped into it. Um, but it was something where 
we were like, look, to, to your point, we weren't out there like chasing a sponsorship or, or chasing ad reads or something like that. I guess it, we had discussions, but I guess without kind of putting to find a point, we sort of wanted it to happen organically. We sort of wanted it to be something where we'd be like, oh, yeah, um, this makes sense. We like the way this came about. And that's kind of what happened here. And, you know, if you are interested in, in sponsoring the podcast, please email us, westlawpirates at gmail.com. We're happy to uh, entertain other sponsorship offers. Uh, but with that being said, um, want to welcome the Simpson Law Group as our, our first sponsor. So if you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, he opened his own firm specializing in wrongful death and personal injuries cases. Among the cases he handles are car accidents, truck accidents, motorcycle accidents, boat accidents, and all other forms of transportation. He also prosecutes construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, birth injuries, slip and falls, products liability, and whistleblower retaliatory discharge cases. His results speak for itself. Millions recovered for his clients. No fee unless he wins. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy is the cornerstone of the Simpson Law Group representation. Call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. So with that, um, let us turn our attention. I, I, to I did just want to put I did just want to put one more pin in that too, just because people were wondering. So um, Ken Stinson, you know, contacted us to, about you know potentially setting this up, but he's a, a listener of the pod and has been, um, and that sounds like something that someone might throw out and say, but. We know he's a listener because we've had contact with him previously. He was someone who was a supporter of our charity t-shirt drive in the summer. Um, and again, this is it, it's something that fit and something that, that we felt good and comfortable about with doing. So, um, yeah, welcome we, to the pod, Stinson Law Group. And we passed on the offshore Bermuda gambling site that reached out to us. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to help put it in perspective. Yeah. Um, real, real quick before we pivot to football, I do want to mention – uh, that with the win today, uh, Kate and Carol Drohan won their 700th career game as uh, coaches of the softball team. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to the softball team. Let's get it done tomorrow and uh, take us to the Super Regionals. So as, as I mentioned off the top, uh, we the football team had official visit weekend, um, and it was a good weekend. Uh, it, <laughs> it was a, it was a team meeting yeah, pretty much. Um, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, seven commit seven, seven, seven guys who were not at. one, not two. Yeah. <laughs> we were, yeah, there were, there were times on, on, uh, on Saturday or on Sunday, right. Where I feel like our, our friends, uh, Louis Vacare from Wildcat Report and our, our boy uh, NUFBR recruiting, uh, you know, needed supplemental oxygen because it was it was getting crazy. Yeah, so seven seven commits uh, to the football program. Um, you know, a couple offensive linemen, a couple defensive linemen, a uh, couple defensive backs, and a linebacker. Uh, so, and what a linebacker he is, Michael Kilbane out of Lakewood, Ohio. Um, th this guy is the, the number what number two defensive player in the state of Ohio, four star recruit. He's he's awesome. So I, I mean, again, like we can go through the recruits and and um, it it's an amazing group. It's an amazing group, and like you said, it's a group that I mean, Louis Vacare tweeted it out. Um, 
and I suppose this has to do with the fact that Northwestern tends to have small classes. Northwestern, you know, tends to fill classes on their own timetable, right? Um, this kind of week is absolutely unprecedented. And also, I think, like, rivals scoring grading system for classes is based on, right, number of recruits, weight, you know, rating of recruits, number of recruits, and, like, a system based off of that. But... It's all a long way of saying that when Northwestern pulled in seven high-grade recruits in a span of days, Northwestern rocketed all the way up to ninth in rivals recruiting ratings, and Louis Vacare was like, "This has he's I think he said he's been doing this since what 2004, and this has never happened before." So it's it's that kind of week. Um, but with that, and, said, and what's great is with the whole with the whole Alabama, Texas A and M, Nick Saban, Jimbo <laughs> Fisher stuff. Northwestern still has a better uh, recruiting class than both of them right now. Yeah, all we we buy every one of our guys with four years for forty years. That's how that goes down. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that said, Kilbane is the headliner, um, and if you're wondering, so Sam mentioned that he's um, you know Rivals hasn't listed as a linebacker. He's going to play defensive end for Northwestern. Um, and the obvious comp, if you watch him, and the reason the hype is there and the four stars are there and the number two player, like Sam said, in the state of Ohio, the obvious comparison is Afadi Adenabo. And the reason is, two, less than two years ago, Michael Kilbane was 6'4", 215. And someone who, like, you could watch his tape and be like, that looks like a pretty fast wide receiver. And he's really tall. And now he's 240 pounds, and he's going to continue to gain weight. You watch his tape, he's playing linebacker more than he's playing defensive lineman. But everyone realizes this guy's rapidly getting larger and not getting slower, and he was really fast to begin with. So if you have visions in your head of that time that Afadi ran around that tackle twice in the Under Armour All-America game and got two sacks... Kilbane's that kind of guy. He's a guy this big shouldn't be that fast kind of guy who's still just developing into the body that he's going to have at the college level. That's the kind of guy you get super stoked about, and that's why he's such a big deal. That's why he's the headliner of this group. Well, and I unlike Afadi, who was very raw as a football player, right, because he'd only been playing for a couple seasons, uh, even in high school, Um you know, Kilbane's bringing a little bit more, I don't want to say polish, but just experience, right? Because um, I think, you know, one of the things that always frustrated us is we felt like if I didn't get in the game often enough, um, and uh, we didn't, we, we, we only used him in true pass rush situations, what, that sophomore year? So um, presumably we'll see more out of Kilbane once once he hits the field. But um, but as you've mentioned many times, John, like like D lines is a position of need. These, you know, a, a lot of these guys that that, that si- nobody signed anything, but they committed over the weekend. Presumably, are going to have a shot at early playing time, right? So um, th- these are names that we could be hearing sooner rather than later. Obviously, not you know this upcoming season, but um, certainly potential to play as freshmen in two years. Three guys from the state of Arizona: Dylan Roberts, Alex Deust, and Cole Shivers. That that's real. That's really cool. It was a gorg. It was a gorgeous weekend last weekend in Chicago. Not not to put the cart before the horse in, in multiple ways, since we want to talk about all these guys and you know that the regional's not over. I'm just saying 
gentlemen, uh, there's potential that uh, Arizona State may be hosting a Super Regional next week that you guys are going to want to make a purple presence at. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> so welcome to the Northwestern family. Um, but it's it's I kind of like that you presented this looking at the the Arizona guys as a group. Um, first of all, it's just you know it's just awesome. I think we specifically tweeted this out relative to Deuced, but um, that Deuced has half the Pac-12 offered him. And I think the the fact that you've got a guy from Arizona, I mean, this guy could have gone to Cal. He could have gone to, I want to say, Washington, right? Both of the Arizona schools, and he picked Northwestern, and that's a big deal and speaks to the, really to the Northwestern brand. Um, I think looking at, there are a couple of different guys. So first of all, Roberts, um, I, I guess the easiest way to say it, he's just a classic Northwestern defensive tackle. He's just tough. He's a hard worker, great work rate. Um, exactly the kind of guy where like Northwestern has multiple guys where it's like, I think, you know, you, it's become clear that great Northwestern teams have three or four of this type of player in and ready to go in the middle of the defensive line and that it's just a vital kind of player, right? A vital cog in the engine. Um, Just that toughness, that size, that ability to get in there and just stop the run, wear offensive lines down. Like, he's that kind of guy. And building up, you know, rebuilding kind of the roster of of these guys, especially after the massive amount we lost this offseason, is a huge deal. Um, Deuced is funny because he's like there are um you know different types of linemen who come in and guys where you're like oh you're projecting what he could be you know is he gonna grow another inch is he gonna gain deuced is not that guy deuced is a mammoth he's six six three hundred pounds he's enormous who knows how big he'll be at northwestern um and you watch on film like he's just swallows guys sometimes he's just absolutely enormous he's capable of taking guys out of the play it's it's the kind of again the kind of size where it's like you put you know you get a guy like this with a couple years of kurt anderson coaching in him and it's like who knows what the ceiling is but there's a a reason that half the pac-12 offered this guy he's just absolutely enormous and then shivers of the arizona guys He's a really fascinating case. Um, so Florida State offered him when he was a freshman. So keep in mind, kid from Arizona, and he's a freshman, and Florida State offers him. And I was looking at an interview because I was curious about this, and they were basically like, we're trying to get in first because your recruiting is about to blow up, and we want you to remember that Florida State offered you first. And then it's like, so did it blow up or did it not blow up after that? It's tough to say because he's not like, yeah, he's not carrying a USC offer and a Bama offer and an LSU offer, but he's got a Wisconsin offer and they offered him two years after Florida State did. So clearly he's like, people are evaluating him two years apart, top schools and being like, oh, you're awesome. So... I mean, I don't know, COVID, I think he only played like one or two games his sophomore year. So I don't know if COVID factors into this or what the situation is. But I mean, 
this is clearly a guy who, at you know, both as a freshman as, and as a junior, top defenses have looked and been like, oh my gosh, we need that guy. So, you know, he could end up being one of the best of this whole group. So what's so interesting about this this Arizona coup to me is, um, I mean, Northwestern hasn't had three guys out of, out of Arizona simultaneously, and if ever, I think. Um, but then other people are comparing this to like the number of recruits that have, that have been landed by Arizona and other things. And it's just it's just pretty stunning. It's also interesting that just two years ago, Drake Anderson and Gunnar Maldonado uh, from Chandler. Um, right there in the Phoenix area with all these other three dudes uh, transferred back to Arizona through the transfer portal. Now we know that there's a number of factors there, right? Like Drake was not going to be the starting running back. Um, uh, There's all, there was a lot of opportunity with the Arizona Wildcats um, because that program wasn't in a bit of upheaval at the time. And of course, post COVID people were, reevaluating right everybody reevaluating what they want to do and where they want to do it etc so um but it is just an interesting juxtaposition but i love i love seeing you know what what was clearly a focus area for the staff right like we've seen them recruit texas and continue to recruit texas now we're seeing them uh you know dip into another another territory with purpose and i love to see that i love to see northwestern building those those national uh pipelines so um, this is great. I'm really excited to see these guys get to get to NU and, and boost uh, this this new Arizona connection. Uh, so where, where should we go? Let's let's go uh, to Tyler Gant on the defensive line. Another big big guy out of St. Louis. So I would say you know if if you're ranking, I mean rivals ranking, but I mean the the film I would say supports this also. Gant is probably behind only Kilbane in this group in terms of the the talent that you just see on film. Um, And with Gant, it's just raw power. He's an incredibly strong defensive tackle. He's the exact same size as Dylan Roberts, 6'3", 280. Um, But there's a reason that, I mean, Gant, and Roberts has great offer list also, but Gant has a real laundry list of offers. I mean, it's a huge offer list. He's a big-time defensive tackle recruit, high three-star guy, and it's just because there's raw power there. You just see the bull off the line. Like, he is a blow-guys-into-the-backfield kind of guy. It's just, I mean, there are bigger defensive tackles. You're not going to see a lot of stronger defensive tackles. So, yeah, and again... If you take Gant and Roberts together, you're getting two really strong tackles with great work rates at a real position of need for Northwestern right now. So again, these are guys who may have long careers with lots of reps in them at Northwestern. And uh, yeah, but again, Gant, he's just a bull. Like that's it. He's just... I think it's worth noting this detail just because it it stands out to me. And that's um, places Gant visited that also yet uh, he carried an offer from. Uh, so Northwestern, of course, uh, Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa, three visits to Iowa, uh, two to Iowa State, uh, Memphis, and Wisconsin, visited Wisconsin three times. So, I mean, this is like, obviously he was looking for something in the Midwest, probably a school he could drive to or his parents could drive to. And um, that's, you know, that, that's some good company when you're evaluating defensive line talent for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think it's, 
it's you look at this overall haul, it speaks to I think Marty Long also. And what you're seeing is Marty Long has been given a impressive collection of raw talent here that he's gonna have a chance to really mold. Well, and let's not let's not uh miss an opportunity to point out Ryan Smith, newest newest coach, uh quarterbacks yeah. coach, um highlighted uh by by both uh Shivers and yep. um I'm, I'm, Joshua Fusel. And Joshua Fusel, yep. Uh, the other DB who just committed the other day from Westchester, Ohio. Yeah, good. So good pivot to him. Um, so the watching him on tape, one of the the comp that I'm seeing is another guy who came out of Ohio, Nick Van Hoos. Um, Fusel, if that's the way it's pronounced, I take it from you guys. The he's he looks like a safety, but he's a corner all the way. He's a long six feet tall. Um, I think Van Hoos was six one, um, but he does not play safety. I, I remember Van Hoos being like five ten. Yeah. <laughs> no, Van Hoos was Van Hoos was tall. Was he, he really? Was like six foot six one. Yeah, but uh, just like Fusel did, not a safety. Fusel plays out wide in press coverage, and he's just a big long corner who who's out there covering. You're gonna see faster guys, but. I compare it so Van Hoos, of course, was notoriously under recruited, right? I think he was rivals had him as a two star. He had only a couple offers. I think in addition to Northwestern, they were Mac schools. Uh, Fusel's got a ton of offers, including I think from Indiana. I want to say Minnesota, but also pretty much like the whole Mac and a lot of schools of that ilk. And I think I sometimes wonder, you know, with a place like Ohio or whatever, if it's like Ohio State's trying to pull in like five-star guys from wherever in Florida or wherever that like a Van Hoos, right, who definitely could have started for Ohio State, a guy like that can fall through the cracks. And I look at at Fusel and I think, you know, is is this a guy who is big, press coverage, long, can cover anybody and, you know, his in-state school is being like, eh, if he was just like a step faster. But I mean, again, I'm telling you, like this is a, a big cover corner who looks Big Ten ready. Pitt, uh, Kentucky, Minnesota, pretty notable from an offer perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last guy we haven't mentioned yet uh, is Jordan Knox out of uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, offensive lineman, uh, currently six four two ninety five. So. He's, the, I think the easiest way to talk about him is to juxtapose him with Deuce, right? Because Deuce has the size everyone wants. Everyone wants that 6'6", 300-pound monster, right? Which is why Deuce's offer list is so strong. Whereas Knox is, again, 6'4", 295. That's enormous for a human. It's not enormous for <laughs> a, left, a left tackle, right? Um, and... The reason I bring that up is if you look at his offer list, it's super long, but it's mostly non-P5. And I think the reason is if you look at all of those schools, he's the kind of guy who often goes to a non-P5 and then starts for three or four years at left tackle for that school. He does everything well on film. Um, upper upper body strength, lower body strength. Um his technique is good. He's 
kind of vicious. He's an angry blocker. It's everything you want. And I just kind of wonder if, you know, like, so for example, he's from South Carolina. He visited Clemson, uh, but he didn't come away with a Clemson offer, right? And I, you know, could be that a Clemson's just being like, you know, we're looking for a 6'5 guy, a 6'6 guy. I'm just telling you, Jordan Knox does everything well on film. Like, you watch him and you're like, you know, maybe he ends up at guard. Maybe he does play tackle. He just is an angry blocker with strong arms and strong hands who seems to do everything well. So <laughs> it could be a real win. Uh, so those are the seven guys who've committed so far. Um, so far. <laughs> there, there was J- Just from that weekend. Yeah, the class is just, much bigger than yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, from that weekend. Um, and they're... Uh, I know Louis Vicaire over in Rivals, they're expecting a couple other really, really big names uh, to be committing to Northwestern sometime in the, in the near future. And, and maybe, oh, maybe a few kind of not so near future, but uh, seem to be seem to be leaning towards the cats. There are, so there are several other guys, right, that I mean, I can't remember the time the last time we've done this, but we have seven guys from that May 13th official visit who have committed now. And I mean, I don't want to say I'm certain there are more guys from that visit, but it sure seems like just from reading Louis Vacare and NUFBR's like body language, like I don't, I'm not going <laughs> to say they know stuff, I'm just going to walk right up to the edge of saying that they know stuff. It just, it's just clear that, again, we joked, it, this this visit was like practically a team meeting. And there are other guys out there um, who the chances of these guys joining this group are just really, really strong. And these are good players. So is it is it fair to say the jewel of the prospective group would be uh, Tommy Adebowari's brother. He's, he's, it, 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 here's the crazy thing is, yes, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. There are, I'd say, two or three players, in, you know, in his caliber. And that's okay. not selling him short. He's phenomenal. There are multiple four-star defensive linemen in play, um, of which he's a member of that group. Um, there's at least one phenomenal linebacker still out there um and and like they're a tight end and a couple and again these are guys who i mean it for all we know it's possible that decisions to make north to to join northwestern have already been made and we're just not privy to this information it's just it seems to be that way and it's funny because you mentioned earlier the situation right with anderson and maldonado going back to arizona etc and I mean, I remember the you know a couple of the first recruits Northwestern signed extremely early in this class um, were local, and I confess that there was a small part of me that was like, you know, is any of this reactionary to you know you, you know you bring in a guy like this, he's that much less likely to transfer away. Nope, it was just total coincidence. <laughs> They yeah. are Northwestern, the brand, you know, right. We, Let, it's, it's, yeah. Let's double down on that because this is something that I think is really important. Yeah. Um, and I think we are, our track record is, track record is the wrong term, but our MO is, is to take things that happen with a grain of salt and, and to recognize like, look, 
kids make decisions for a lot of different reasons. And, and if you, you know, rewind to January, the season was a train wreck. The defense looked a mess. And then the Brandon Joseph transfer news hits and you had a fan base essentially like freaking out that the, the two decades of Pat Fitzgerald defense, um, defensive mentality and, and perspective at Northwestern was done and that we were, you know, on the downward swirl into the drain. Now we need to see results on the field, right? But the events of this, of this past week, should disabuse you of any notion that the brand is dramatically tarnished. I mean, kids kids react to there's so many more factors that go into a decision than wins and losses. And playing time is a huge one. Relationship with the coach is a huge one. Um, certainly, like pro development and potential is a massive one. Yeah. And that's one where like that's the one that's the part of the brain of Joseph one that's that's a little scary, but. Um, but it's, at this stage, it's a one-off, right? And we, you know, so I, like I just I say that because, but for two reasons: one, like do not let yourself get into the you know the the, the mentality of of uh, all is lost um, because it's just not how college football works. And also recognize that like this was this was an awesome last week and a half. It's possible a couple of these guys end up on other teams before it's all said and done. Um, so we'll just, you know, we'll play that waiting game. Recruiting's a, 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 a manic space to be in, but, um, yeah. right now it should feel very good to be a Northwestern fan that, that no, all is not lost. And, uh, there's, um, some really exciting, uh, prospects around the corner. Yeah. I mean, like nothing, nothing's official till the ink is dry and the first signing window isn't until December. So there's still a lot of time uh, and a lot can happen. So, but right now. It's really, really exciting. And speaking of right now, it's really, really exciting, right? If you're a Northwestern fan, just take the time to enjoy this week in Northwestern sports, right? Take the time to be like, it takes us back to this, that happy hour event. And I'm rolling in, you know, I'm, I'm driving into the city to Tavern on Rush Scuzz is talking to me about Northwestern lacrosse absolutely pasting Syracuse, right? And then one of the things that, that a couple of us were joking about at the happy hour was if would a Northwestern, you know, would a high school football player commit to Northwestern during the happy hour? And Josh Fussell did commit during the happy hour. Uh, it's like, and then the next day, uh, Northwestern softball started absolutely spanking other teams in the Evanston Regional. I mean, so just enjoy this. Enjoy where we are right now. Um, this is it's a great time to be a Northwestern sp- uh, football uh, sports fan, football fan, softball fan, lacrosse fan. Um, we're in an awesome pocket right now. So just take the time to stop and smell the roses and enjoy this moment. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um Quick update from Evanston right now. Uh, Notre Dame and McNeese are still scoreless uh, in the top of the fourth inning. So one hit by each team. So it's a, it's a low, low scoring affair to this point. Good. Let it be a war of attrition. This is what we want. Either way, Northwestern wins if it continues to play out like this. Extra innings, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight? 
I just wanted to mention, you know, one more time again, we, we talked about the happy hour right off the top and, and the, the general great time. I just want to say thanks to everyone who, you know, you know, saw the West Love Pirates t-shirt, pointed it out, you know, said, hey, you know, I love the pod. You know, we love the Twitter feed. Like, hey, you guys do a great job. Thank you so much for all your kind words. Um, and we just had a lot of great conversations. Again, like I was just any chance where I'm talking to Northwestern football players one minute and talking to Insight and you people the next minute and talking to WNUR sports people the next minute or just young alums who listen to the pod. It's just awesome. It's just that kind of interaction is is why we do this. So thank you to to everyone who helped make that a great uh, evening for me. Uh, So with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, Head to our website, westlawpirates.com for leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.